woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know, that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you sixty thousand dollars. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Well, in Rope Station Jacks, I'm tomorrow Greg Pappas on the board. SP features down 875, NASDAQ features down 47. That's mostly because Microsoft, uh, a little bit softer. Uh, guidance on income going or on revenue going forward, so they're down 12. Of course, they've been up every day, so that's not a whole hell of a lot. And of course, every every analyst come out this morning and said, buy it no matter what, even if they say it's revenue is softer, just buy, buy, buy. There you go. So there you have it. Not like in the Dukes, get back in there and sell, sell. Remember that, Greg? What do you think? Uh, Microsoft, Microsoft is uh, chart looks a little high, but. They they say Why they're winning on AI. Yeah. Google says they're winning on AI. I think Kevin's did, winning on AI. Did you notice that uh, Steve Ballmer is now uh, richer than I think <laughs> Gates? <laughs> or good. He's <laughs> he's given away a lot less, but I think I think the original deal was he got ten percent of whatever they whatever uh, they grew by when he was CEO and so he got a bunch and then they said well this is getting ridiculous and then they converted it all to stock and, and now his stock's worth like 100 well, 120 that's a uh, well Kevin what's Kevin's stock worth my stock is uh, just climbing like crazy climbing you know, so. yes you should be buying Kevin are you on the pink sheets or are you on the New York Stock Exchange where are you uh, right now, I'm sitting in in the uh, chair in front of my computer. Screen. I mean, I mean, what your stock? Where's your stock? What's the exchange? <laughs> uh, stocks in the same place. Uh, <laughs> same place. Uh, boy, big. No, no problem. Big news day, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you tick down on Rocky Wirtz, uh, so dies kind of unexpectedly, and yeah, the Cubs and the Sox are playing. They're going up to the trade deadline, and uh, Northwestern football players filed a lawsuit, and then none of the football players wanted to go to Media Day in Indianapolis, which uh, Big Ten Media Day, which was a smart move, I think. And uh, the Fed's got their uh, rate announcement today. And uh, let's see, what else? What am I leaving? Oh, Joe Biden has uh, announced that uh, uh, that he and his administration have ended cancer as we know it. They did uh, what? They, did what? <laughs> they ended cancer as, the, as we know it. He I, said that yesterday. I met some people last night, and all we talked about was the passing of Judge, all his friends, but his passing from cancer. Does that mean he's still alive? Could be. <laughs> hey, 
to, at the risk of being overly crass, uh, we actually did end his cancer, as we knew it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I'd say some scary stuff. I'm, I'm, I feel bad about Racky Wirtz. He seemed like a decent enough sort. Well, he did. I mean, it's it, he has an interesting legacy in that um, um, that he uh, uh, he he revived the franchise, I mean, you know, clearly. And I remember when he came on board because I had uh, you know one of my uh, old high school buddies was a um, was a season ticket holder, but a very disgruntled season ticket holder. And Wirtz called them all in. They had, you know, brought him in group at a time and, and said, you know, what can we do for you? What can we do better? You know, he really tapped into what the what his paying customers wanted. Um, the franchise was revived. They had that, but they also had that uh, whole Kyle Beach thing. And uh, um, I, I don't think anybody has accused Rocky Wirtz of being directly involved, but he... He was the guy who uh, sort of oversaw, you know, was in charge of the team then. So he does have that um, that part of his legacy as well. Yeah, you know, those things always are uh, they're 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 tough deals. Um, and, and, it, and it's really, of course, it, in this day and age, it's really easy to second guess everything, right? Because everybody knows what they would have done when they've never been in a position like that. I. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what you'd do. I mean, I, I mean obviously, no, fortunately, I've never been in a situation. But if you had an organization and you hear some rumor regarding something like that, you know, sort of like the, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the Catholic Church, if somebody, if the parents, forty years ago, were to mention something to the nun, gee, I think Father something something's kind of creepy. What exactly does the nun do with that? I mean, she she can't. She's a third hand person. I mean, she's not going to go to police and accuse somebody of something that would ruin the rest of their life if it was wrong. I mean, even even the Penn State situation, I mean, unless you were absolutely sure, I think those guys kind of were sure, uh, it's, that, that's, that's a tough accusation to, 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 I'll say, pass on. If you didn't actually see it, which, you know, if you did, obviously you'd want to do something about it. But I mean, I, that would be... If you heard a rumor that somebody you knew was, you know, staring at little kids in the park or something, I don't see how the hell you go to the police or something with that when you didn't see it yourself. I mean, talk about screwing somebody's life up if you're wrong. Yeah, you have to. It, you, it goes on your radar screen, and now you pay close attention yes, for yes. either either corroboration or uh, or to dispel it, and um, you know that that becomes the challenge uh, more, more than anything else. So. Um, you know, again, I I have no idea. I I can't speak at all to um, what anybody told Rocky Wirtz. Uh, you know, any, any of that. I just don't know. So um, I, I'm not. I don't mean to pin it on him. I do say the the one thing that you're uh, that is the responsibility of the CEO is you do set a tone for the uh, for the business. So as an example, that I always talk about. You know, my days working at Pinnacle Bank in St. Joseph, Michigan. There was never any doubt, never a, a, a shred of doubt, that if there was something that, uh, if you had a decision that was uh, based on either what's right or what's going to be, might be better a better decision to favor the bank that is in conflict with what's right, we were doing what's right, and you were getting fired if you didn't. Well, that's... Uh... Um, so, I mean, that, that was just the core of the place. That tone was set very clearly by the president and the CEO, and that's just the way it was. 
so you you do get you know you do have that aspect of it and so that's that's where whatever responsibility there is to be borne um by the ceo it it is in that the tone wasn't uh, you know clearly wasn't set the way it needed to be set you know again how much of that you're going to take directly to rocky words or not i i think that's debatable it's just one of those things that's part of the record along with a lot of really really good stuff yep well i uh back in the day his, his, plus i don't his dad was kind of a he was somewhat of a character i'd say that puts it mildly dollar bill oh yeah god he was uh we used to go you know you know the other the other doc not dr j they were tight with that group and uh we used to go to uh, go to hockey games because they had a bunch of seats, and we would park in the little lot next door and go through. Was it door five and a half or four and a half or whatever? All the players mm-hmm. and everybody going. And we'd go in and, and first thing we do, first of all, it'd be like on a Sunday night, and I'm dressed up in a sport coat. You know, no tie, but you had a you know sport coat and a nice shirt and look good. And because uh, we would go in, you know, you sport coat and night shirt. Stop, stop there, Tom. Yeah. Well, that, well we're, I, not, we're not. We're, we're not. I'm not going to concede. Look good. Well, in those days, I looked pretty good. Yeah. Okay, all right. So we would go right into into Dollar Bill's private bar. You know, they would always have people in there, and it was a you know really nice bar and a lounge next to it. And of course, I'd see a couple of their knuckleheads from the trading floor in there, and uh, and he would sit at the end of the bar because they weren't on TV at that time when we were at home. So we had this little closed circuit TV that couldn't have been. It couldn't have been 16 inches, 15 inches, black and white, all all fuzzy as hell. And he sat there and drank and watched the and watched the game there. And and the weird part is, it was like his party, but he didn't talk to anybody. He sat there once in a while. His buddy Pulley'd come in and sit down next to him and have a drink, but nobody even he he had. Why would you have a party of all these people and not want to talk to any of them? It was, a, it was the weirdest damn thing. Yeah. But, well, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Some people, and they're not the people you'd always expect, but you, you run into introverts in all all walks of life, all kinds of leadership. And, it, you know, they, uh, sometimes introverts make great leaders. Uh, it, it is, you know, being an extrovert is not a requirement for no. uh, for the job of leadership. But, um, but it does make for some really oddball situations like you're describing because... Uh, uh, this is someone who you know who not only doesn't engage with others, but finds it stressful to engage with others. But I, I wonder when. I mean, the old man was Arthur, right? Yep. And he they uh, they got involved in the Blackhawks. I think sixty-eight year when Racky was two. I was just reading, and he. Uh, I don't know what if he was the first words and where they got the original money, uh, Kevin. But they own a bunch of real estate on Lakeshore Drive. They uh, do. They also own a uh, beverage distributorship. Which, no, which was, was Judge and Dolph, and now it's just plain words. So they're probably, they also, I think, own the beverage, the, the liquor distributorship in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, which is serious, obviously. Uh, you know, I, but I, and they own some, aren't they developing some land out in the, in the western burbs that they just happen to have all these acres that was, like, horse farm or something now they're trying to develop it who doesn't have a few acres sitting well, around but i mean i just i wonder where all the original when all this stuff was originally bought and where that money came from I mean, I'm, not, I'm not even alleging yeah. that it was it was not no no I, and, and i don't know the answer to that because i mean i think the old man kind of fell into it and and so did racky i think racky did one hell of a better lot better job uh but i, I remember this is 
there, there's a lesson here, uh, I, I think, in terms of the Blackhawks. Because they, they, they had a, the old stadium. I think it would have standing room and everything. People smoking and a whole bit. I'm going to say 17,000, 18,000 at most. Uh, with people jammed in like, you know, the shoehorn. Um, and it was one of the toughest tickets to get in all of sport. I mean, I don't know if it was as bad as Toronto or Montreal, but it was really tough. Once in a great while, my stepfather would get seats on the upper balcony, and we'd... First of all, there was no elevator or escalator. You had to trudge up to the upper balcony. Remember the stairs? <laughs> How narrow they were in the sides? I mean, I don't know what you kind of got people out of there. Well, they had a couple of fire escapes on the outside of the building, but I don't know what brave soul would have gone down those things. But the... Uh, so you'd, you'd go up into the place, and it was jammed. And there were people with standing room that had standing room tickets, never missed a game for years. And uh, when they went to the new place, I think the new place, you know what, uh, why, don't you, why don't you Google this week for me, uh, Greg? I think the new place is like 21 or 22. Anyway, it's like two or 3,000 more than the, than the old place. Just at the time when the team is starting to sort of suck. And all of a sudden, when you went from I can't get a ticket to I can get a ticket. That's a dramatic difference. I mean, it happened. It may happen to the Bears if they decide to go from 60,000 people to 75 in a day when people... So United Center is uh, different capacities for concerts, Bulls games, and Hawks games. The highest is uh, concerts. They can get more than 23,000. The lowest is Hawks games where they can fit 20,500. And I think the old place was 17-something, 17, 17 but I, I could be yeah. wrong. Check Chicago Stadium, Greg. And uh, what I'm saying, once you get to the spot where, oh, I can get a ticket, all of a sudden you, you, you lose that panache. And, uh, and plus the team, I remember my, my cousin had tickets forever. And one night he says to me, hey, meet me at the game. We'll go, we'll get in and we'll meet you inside. Chicago Stadium was... 18,676. Was that for okay. basketball or for... Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. Because I think it was less for high... Anyway, somewhere in there. But just, just the extra couple thousand people, they they weren't able to sprinkle those tickets as the team was going downhill. So one night, he says to me, let's go over there. And I, uh, Kevin, I, I thought I was there the wrong night. 18-6 for basketball, 17-3 for ice hockey. Yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah. pretty close. And if you had the standing room, they could do uh, 18-472. I think they did more than that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when I was in high school, I used to go and get standing room all the time. You get down there two hours before the game, they open the ticket window, you buy your standing room, you haul ass to the uh, second balcony so that you could get a center ice place right on the rail, and then you didn't move for the whole time, because if you move, you'd lose your spot, so you better not have to pee. Well, there were some people right behind where the organ was. There actually was a big, long bench, so if you went up there, you could actually sit. And the people, because we were standing behind him one night, and the, they said, yeah, we have, we have not missed our seat in how many games, how many years? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but, but you can all of a sudden, I mean, the Irish are having this problem, right? Now that they hold 80,000 instead of 60, right? Well, yeah, partly, and partly, partly because everybody hated Brian Kelly and his teams got bad for a while there. Well, I'm saying it, but it's all part of, plus it's becoming a studio thing. You know, nobody cares. It, it, it is, or or a weekend experience. I mean, that that's part of their issue. Is it, a lot of that has to do with the game times, um, because they've basically taken out the day trippers. Yeah. Um, but it, but in addition to that, you know, you yeah, the, what what they're selling now is the whole weekend experience. All the hotels have two night minimums, so that you have to stay Friday and Saturday at a gouged price, and. Um, 
uh, and and people don't want to make the trip unless they buy their tickets in advance so there's always a lot of available tickets on the market because um, you know when, when people don't make the trip they bought they bought the tickets in advance and yet you know because if you're going to come in from california you're going to come in from missouri or new jersey or something like that you don't want to go unless you are, are positive you have a ticket and it turns out you'll have a ticket <laughs> well look at I mean, look at the difference between the the cubs and the white Sox. The, the, the cubs have maintained to their credit the idea that if, if you want to go to 10 cub games this year you better be have a buddy where you get 10 of his season tickets or something where you share you have to have that sort of certainty. I mean, uh, doesn't mean you can't get them at the last minute. I mean, you can, but now you got to pay Major League Baseball. You, I mean, you got to pay how many people? I mean, that's. I mean, everybody thinks I'm a total luddite because I want regular tickets. Okay, and the reason why I want them, Kevin, is not because I'm incapable of putting the thing on my phone. I happen to have it on my phone, but if I want to sell you a ticket, I want to sell you a ticket. I want. I want to have to go through Ticketmaster. I don't want to have a fee for the Cubs or the Sox or. It's my ticket. I, I want to just sell it to you. Give me my twenty bucks, and that's done. I mean, I this whole yeah, I and and you know what? I um for for basketball, uh, for Notre Dame basketball, I transfer tickets all the time, um and uh, uh and it works, but they don't charge me anything for it. Yeah, which is okay, which is fine, you know, which is okay. So I mean, and anyway, my 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 point is, I don't know of anybody who has the habit of, you know, where if we come out of the you know the health club or something, we head down to the the bar downstairs or over the series and all of a sudden somebody goes hey it's a nice night let's go down to the Sox game I mean I, the, I, the, I don't see the walk up crowd is that's non-existent I mean let's leave a comfortable t- spot where we're watching on a big TV let's haul ass down there pay 20 bucks to park find a, see if we can even get in with a, if they're either a ticket place open and start paying 15 or 12 dollars for a beer let's, let's just go do that I mean I, I think if you don't sell these tickets in advance you don't sell them and, and that's the difference between, I think, the Cubs and the Sox, is if you, if you want to go to 10 Cub games, you're buying the tickets in January. Or you're, you're splitting with somebody or you're doing something. And everybody I know that goes is part of a season ticket package. I get 10 games, these guys. We got, we got you know, eight people, and we all get 10 games. I mean, you see that all over the place, right? And I don't know that you see that so much with the Sox. I bet their season ticket load is, what do you think? The full season ticket load, I'm going to guess, is seven. Seven to nine at most. Or the Cubs yeah, and, and it probably would be better if uh, if they did two things. One would be to actually have a um, a good team, uh, not not a disappointment, which, which is really what they have been the last few years. It's just you know hard to watch. But aside from that, um, it would also matter um, that they run a more fan friendly organization, um, which they don't do. Yep. Um, and 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 that's just that's that's always been a problem. I, I'll go back to the days. Um, you know, I, I had some of the guys you knew, my brother and and uh, and a few other friends. And this was when I still lived in Milwaukee, and I had everybody up to uh, um, uh, the new or new stadium up there, um, which isn't that new anymore. Um, and they decided to close the roof during the game because there was rain rolling in, and so. Uh, so Mark wanted to go take a look. You know, he wanted to walk down because we were sitting on the 200 level, and he wanted to walk down and see what that looked like. And he, uh, you know, he started down the aisle a little bit, and an usher walked up to him, and he was like, "Oh God, this guy's going to chase me away." And uh, 
and, and he's a, but, but he's a, a White Sox regular. So the usher comes up and says, "You want to see that? Come on down. You can get a good look down here." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and and he's sitting there, you know, just marveling at this because you know, at a White Sox game, they would have chased him away. He, at a White Sox game, they would have chased him away if there were two thousand well, people in the in the place. Well, the Cub game, and, they're Gestapo's. I mean, I mean, they they they'll do whatever they have to make it miserable. At least when I used to go, that's why I like my front row upper deck seat where nobody bugged me. But you know, I yeah. just it's a it you know it's a challenge to go. I mean, uh, it's. Uh, I mean, into some of the stuff, and you make it to the point where I don't, I don't think I've, I've been to my last Irish game. I mean, I have. I mean, I, it's it's a you know it's a four and a half it's a three and a half hour event on a on a, on a not even a seat with a back for God's sake. I mean, what do you? Yeah, doing? I mean, it, it's it's not a great place to see a game. You know, pretty stadium. You go in, you say, "Oh, I'm in the shrine." Good. Ten minutes later, you know, okay, I saw the shrine. Now what? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a two and a half hour sport that uh, that, that that takes. Three hours and forty-five minutes. Well, or even say a three-hour sport time, because uh, you know even the NFL with its speed, uh, speedier rules, um, it, it's still a three-hour. But nevertheless, yeah, they pad on an extra hour that you don't need, um, and and they do a lot of you know a whole lot of stupid stuff uh, while they're in it, and then you know all the noise. This is part of another reason I like college basketball. It's basically a two-hour event. Yeah, you go. You park. It's over in two hours. You're on the way, and you've seen a whole game, and you've been entertained. And I'm two hours is about right for uh, for entertainment. We well, you know. I mean, I know that when the listeners, when we talk about this kind of stuff, there's there's always, I mean, it, it is sports, you know, and obviously the two of us like sports, and it is stocks and jacks, uh, but it also there's a threat of economics through this whole mess. I mean, how do you treat this crowd versus another? Because clearly, all these major sports now have a bifurcated crowd. They have a they have a home crowd that they seem to think or they used to think is uh there's no limit to how much you can piss them off they'll all be here. And then there's the essentially the studio crowd, where if if you're at home, you really don't care if they change the game from three o'clock to six o'clock at the last minute. But if you don't have a place to stay and you're planning on driving home that night, now you got a problem. You know, so I mean, they're, they're, and they're, they're I uh, you know I had a chance to ask you. I don't think Kevin. What do you what do you think of the? Uh, Say what it is. I'm not going to quiz you. The Utah Jazz decision uh, this year to go back on free TV in Salt Lake City and off the cable. And well, I mean, most people still get the free TV off the cable, but but you could just get an antenna. I mean, they're going on essentially channel seven or channel nine, for lack of a better term. And uh, I I would really love to see, just out of curiosity. I mean, uh, uh, man, in fact, Greg and I have kicked this around a little bit some one night over at series. I uh, was a copy of the conversation at our, our table, and I, I, I would love to see, not that I want to go through it word by word, what the differences are, how people feel that the differences are between one or the other. Because the NFL has, every time they do the study, they come out with free TV is better for us. And once in a while they try and do the Thursday night thing. Now they have the Mondays on ESPN, I get it. Uh, but the well, rest and, of, and they did some stuff, you know, with I don't know if it was with Apple or uh, um, it was on Amazon. Thursday night. I think it was Amazon. Yeah. And every time they try it on Thursday night, they end up flopping back to free. And, and but plus, if your if your team's playing, even if it's if it's an Apple night or a whatever it was night, Google night, you're you're on free TV in your place. So now basketball and baseball have gone kind of the other route, where they want people paying for it no matter whether you watch it or not. Uh, and I guess if you can get if you're in New York and you can sneak it into the cable package and everybody pays you a buck a month, whether they watch it or not, 
and they can't separate it out, well, that's that's you know that's the holy grail. But but yet other people, I mean, all different sports now are coming with the different conclusions. And now the Utah Jazz are saying that out of the gate, they think they might actually uh, lose a little money, or lose a little money, not get as much money. See, I want you know what I want to do, Kevin. My goal in life actually doesn't really because, but my 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 goal in life would be that if I can say I lost money because I didn't make more. That's a class that neither none of us are in, where you can be a jury. Yeah. Well, Ryan, yeah. So so what 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 the Jazz are really saying is, they're they're saying that they think that if as they look at over, look at it over the long haul, that they're going to grow their fan base enough to make it more than worthwhile um, to uh, um, to to not be you know so that they may forego some level of revenue or some level of profit right now but um, but by growing the fan base because I think that that really gets to be the issue and that gets to be the issue with you know we've talked about all different kinds of things so you know are, are you growing are you growing the fan base if you're Notre Dame and most of your tickets other than really really crappy games but even those are going to cost you 65 or 70 dollars for basically a, a mediocre seat but you know you're going to charge 100 125 and you're going to say the game's going to be at 330 or the game's going to be a night game and uh, so now bring your family of four to that it's not going to happen so what you know what do you get is you you are not growing your fan base you are you're, you're opting out families um you know it, it's it's the same thing uh, you know i've i've uh, let them know how I feel about this for basketball. Let's just go basketball. And they do some discounting for non-conference games. There's some kind of thing where they can't discount for conference games. But when I buy a season ticket, it works out to about 20 bucks a game. But when you go online and you want to buy a single game for a conference, you might find the same seat as 50 or 60 bucks um, for a single game. So they they won't discount those, but they will sell you know packages for a family of four. Can you can get four tickets for um, oh I don't know again a game against Chicago State or somebody like that in December, but that's not all that entertaining for uh, for people. You're not going right. to get a lot of excitement. So you're again you're not growing your your fan base, and in this case the fan base for that sport is local. Um, it's you know uh, football national national fan base people make the pilgrimage you know there's a lot of people that travel long distance once a year just to be have the Notre Dame football weekend but basketball it's not basketball basketball is played on Tuesday nights people aren't going to travel any kind of a distance to go to a Tuesday or Thursday night game or or something like that that lasts two hours so you have to grow it locally and they haven't figured that out they're still working primarily with the football mentality for their other sports. Well, you also when you when you dump Purdue and Michigan State, you've got two, you know, two and a half hour, two hour drive drive places where you're gonna you're gonna fill up all the time. That's they become the big rivalries, and all of a sudden you're going to the people in Virginia Tech might want to come once in a while, but I don't know if they're gonna come every year. You know what I'm saying? Or every other year. Yeah, for, for basketball, you don't. For football, you do. Yeah, I still think you're better off with a couple of the regional, right? And and Ohio State's going to fill the place in September. Oh sure, <laughs> oh yeah. But you know, I just, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do, and maybe we'll touch on it after break. But the complexity of these cable deals—they're not kind of all the same. I I wonder if the Cubs are making out. Plus, with with the uh, the marquee, 
I mean, they've managed to weasel it into my cable with a little bit of an increase that I, you know, with all the sports stuff. But I don't, I don't, if you're one of these places where you have to pay extra for marquee, how many, what percentage of the population pays extra for marquee? Well, and here's the question. Do you watch any of their programming other than the I have Cubs? None, none. None whatsoever. And, uh, but, I, you know, the, the it's, it, it's where you are in the cable package. We'll talk about that a little bit after break. SP Futures down 6, NASDAQ Futures down 40. Big movers, Microsoft down 1260 on their earnings. Boeing on their earnings up 528, so they're doing okay. And uh, Google is up 728 on their earnings. As they both said, we're number one. And one guy said we're going to we're going to combine AI with the cloud. It's the first time I've heard the cloud mentioned. Well, and, and and Google actually, I saw something about their earnings report. They did have a lot of cloud earnings. That's what was really driving them this time around. Uh, but yeah, but does anybody remember cloud? Yeah. All right, you do, but not yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's it's not a, a boom business anymore. It's a commodity business. It's because AI is taking over. It's taking well, over. Well, no, it, it became a com- everything runs that oh, cycle. I, I, it I became a commodity business in a short period of time. We have short short product life cycles nowadays. Oh God, that's a, you used to remember click throughs. It, it can a, have it can have a long life, but it's yeah. a short cycle from new to mature. It's it's a short cycle. See, we're talking about two. Love it. We talk about two different things. I'm talking about. Investor attention spans is what I'm talking about. You're talking about the no, actual I, product. No, I, I get that too. Yeah. No, I, I, I fully yeah. understand what you're saying. I'm just telling you. You know, when when the when you ask, does anybody even care about the cloud anymore? Yeah, they do because it's 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 part of the core business that they of what they do, and I I do think smart investors are looking at that. There you go. We'll be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freaks Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck, get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of- 
control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. 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 Right Another sports depth today is, uh, um, that, uh, what's this, the guy from Notre Dame, quarterback, uh, oh, uh, Johnny Lattner. Johnny Lattner. Uh, it was, it was like 98. Yeah, um, who's, who's the guy that was the, uh, uh, Heisman Trophy winner from Chicago? That was Johnny Lattner. Uh, uh, halfback. Are we talking, yeah, that was Lattner, I'm with Johnny Lujak. Johnny Lujak. Because I knew, uh, Johnny Lattner, actually I knew Johnny a little bit, but his, I know his uh, his kid was uh, trading the OEX with me, and he was a great athlete too. He was like a state champion racquetball guy or something. No, but but definitely not that is that it's uh, Mick Jagger's 80th birthday. Yeah, today. definitely not that. Um, you know, uh, Johnny Lantner died of, died from was a mesothelioma. He worked like a summer or two with a pipe fitters or something, and when he got in his 70s, it that thing lays dormant for how many years? That that uh, that it's a horrible disease. Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible. It's, it's from asbestos. Anyway, S&P futures down 7.75, Nasdaq futures down 47. The big Fed meeting today, two, the conclusion of the two-day Fed meeting, the announcement in the, in the news conferences today. Uh, Dow futures are down 66. Dow's been up uh, 12 days in a row. We'll see if they manage to creep back again today. Nikkei down 14 points, called that flat. Hang Seng was up like 4% yesterday. They're down 69 today, 0.3%. Still over 19,000, 19,365. Shanghai down 8. Again, they were up pretty heavy uh, yesterday, and they, they barely down today. 32.23 is the whole number. So I'd say they'd call that a success over there. DEX down 129.8%. FTSE down 50.7. CAC around down 141, 1.9. Um, the U.S. yesterday, we had uh, uh, Dow Jones was up 26. Barely made it up. SP futures up 12. NASDAQ up 85. Bonds. 10-year, uh, minus 2 basis points, point, 3.89. So still kind of near 4. The Bund up three to 2.43. Japan unchanged 0.45. Oil uh, down 83 cents. Uh, 78.80. That's one percent. But I, you know, I still think it's a little of a breakout on this oil. Uh, Brent down 87 cents. 82.77. Natural gas down two cents. 2.70. Our Bob unchanged at 2.86. Uh, gold uh, up 10.20. 19.73. That's size that's been in a while. Even though the headline says it's listless, I'll take 10 bucks because we're along it. Silver up three cents, 24.85. Copper down two cents, 3.88. We've got Bitcoin down 37 bucks, still in the 29s, 29.193. Can't get back up to the 30 where, where it was for a while. And we have the U.S. dollar down just a hair, and very small. Uh, the euro is at one, 1.107 and the British pound 1.291. Greg, we have for us, Trevi, Weather Sports. Good morning, everyone. 6.39 a.m. Central. 76 degrees here today. Feels like 82. It's hot and humid. Uh, storms in the forecast and the air quality is low, so it's about 100 for the AQI. Grab a mask if you can. Weather today in Phoenix, 96. Uh, record tying uh, temperatures. Wait, did you say hot, humid, and crummy air? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Phoenix is 96. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 96 with 116 coming today, and those are some record tying temperatures still. Traffic inbound Kennedy uh, to the interchange is 37 minutes. Inbound Edens to the interchange from Lake Cook is 41. Inbound Ike 
Wolf to the interchange 23. The Ryan is 95th. Um, 95th to the interchange is 15 in the express lanes. And then the Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 28 minutes. And for sports, the Cubs beat the White Sox 7-3. Diamondbacks win at home over the cards. And uh, for the Hawks, I'll leave you with a quote from Jerry Reinsdorf about Rocky Wirtz. Everyone liked Rocky. He was smart, passionate, generous, personable, and friendly. He cared deeply about the Blackhawks, the people who worked for the team at the United Center, the Blackhawks fans, and the city of Chicago. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. The um, Kevin, we were going to talk a little bit. I mean, I don't want to go into the, the vagaries of, of the cable, but uh, not, all, not all cable stuff is, is created equal. I mean, uh, if you can get in the... I mean, if you ever order cable, I don't know if anybody just gets the the uh, the free stuff anymore. Well, the free stuff includes like all the shopping networks and crap that I don't watch, but other people do. Um, then there's the next level, which includes probably your uh, TBS, and, and it actually has like CNBCs in there. So if you have a cable package, even if you get the basic package, I'm gonna lob out there that you're paying 25 cents, 30 cents, 50 cents, whatever the breakdown is, to CNBC even if you never watch it, or nobody even, you don't know what it is. Uh, and, you're, and you're doing the same thing for CNN. Uh, now the next layer probably includes Fox Business. So only the people who do the next layer, which is probably less than the people who do the first, are going to pay whatever they have to pay to Fox Business. And I think the real premium guys are the ones that get Bloomberg. So I'm going to say, what percentage would you say, Greg, of all cable households get Bloomberg? Is it 20% maybe? I would say 25%, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So it's it really comes down to what level you're at. So if, for instance, my guess is if the people in Utah could have gotten the jazz channel into the first layer where everybody pays them 25 or 50 cents, <clears throat> whether they like it or not, or that they maybe would have gone with that. But if they're on this additional sports package that maybe only half the homes get, now all of a sudden, the free TV is starting to look pretty good. But it is amazing that, matter of fact, what is uh, Marquis just Well, they, my, my guess is that they have something that is either exactly or is the equivalent of NBC Sports Chicago. Theirs would be NBC Sports um, right. uh, um, Salt Lake City. And, uh, and I'm sure that there is some, you know, it's a regional sports network of some sort or another um, that, that would be showing them. And, yeah, it's not going to be in the most basic cable, but it's going to be in there. Well, it, it, it depends. Well, here's, yeah. here's, here's the other part about cable to keep in mind here is the right now your long-term commitment to cable doesn't make a lot of sense. The business model is changing. It is becoming more a la carte. And, um, and, and this is happening because the cable business is not growing. Why? We're doing the 5G rollout. That's going to have the bandwidth and the latency for you to pull whatever you want out of the air without worrying about disruption. You're not going to have to pull, um, you know, wire into your house, and therefore you're not going to be beholden to somebody like Comcast. Comcast knows this. They have a cash cow business in cable, but that's not. When's the last time you saw an ad for? get this bundle so that you can uh, uh, you can get great ca- you know a great cable package they are not sell they're, they're, they'll 
they'll take your money. They'll take your 250 bucks a month for a decent cable package, and they're happy to do that as long as they have enough people to pay for it. But all of their emphasis is on wireless because they know they have to move into 5G world. So they're doing wireless telephones. They're doing wireless um, uh, modems, all, you know, all of those kinds of things. You see T-Mobile is already selling the wireless hotspots, the 5G hotspots that allow people to get whatever programming they want to completely unplug and not have a wire coming into their house, which then democratizes the whole thing because you don't have this monopoly-like situation. And, um, and, and so you know the the whole strategy there and this this applies to what we were discussing with ai as well but your your big strategy there is to use that cash cow income to fuel your growth areas because right now who are the big dogs in wireless it's AT&T it's T-Mobile it's Verizon pretty much it um and and Comcast slash Xfinity is trying to move into the, you know into that space as well, so that they are considered an equal of uh, at some point of all of those, and then they're positioned for where entertainment and you know all kinds of all data access and all that for where it's going. This applies the same thing to AI. Um, there is um, uh, have you heard of the Gartner Group? Yes. Yeah, the Gartner does. Uh, they evaluate all kinds of technologies, technology platforms, and so on. And you know, basically, the output is their magic quadrant because everybody can sort of understand this. And the magic uh, quadrant is based on two things: completeness of vision and ability to execute. So you, they may have a small company out there that is brilliant and has the best ideas going and has a really great vision for where their product line is supposed to go, but they may not have the ability to execute so they don't make it into the, um, uh, into the magic quadrant. So we were talking about, uh, about cloud and uh, AI and uh, and, the, and this involves you know data science and big data as well and you cannot have uh, you, uh, you can't be a big time player you can't be a magic quadrant player in um, uh, in AI unless you have the other infrastructures unless you have cloud infrastructure unless you have um, you know a good big data platform and then even then it gets uh, diced up into things like who provides the platform? You know, IBM is up there uh, as as a big platform provider, and and ability to give people the ability to operate their AI systems on IBM's pla uh, cloud, basically, um, you, on their cloud using their blockchain, all of that kind of stuff that they have involved. Um, whereas now you'll go and say, well, what, who has the best one for developer services? Well, that's Amazon, um, and for AI developer services. But if you don't have that foundation, and this goes back. To why I said the Google Cloud, the the biz, the cloud business being strong for them is important, is because they can't do AI unless they have a strong cloud business. They're not going to grow in there unless unless you know unless they can provide that part of the solution as well. Why, Kevin? Does that make uh, sense? Does that make sense? Yes. Did I put that? Okay. Yes. Except there's one thing I, I I don't I don't understand why uh, brilliant people ev everybody talks about cable being this ripoff and everybody's a genius to go somewhere else and get out of there and find some other way to do it why is cable a ripoff kevin it, it's not a ripoff it's 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 a cash cow this no, is no no, no, you no. Know, if, stop, stop, it, stop for a second it's a ripoff because the taxes on it are are onerous oh okay i'll go with that yeah and, and then everyone and, when you and when 
when people slip out, you don't. If 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 you go get the same stuff that's on the cable, I read something. I don't know enough about this as you do, but if you go get all the things you need to make up what you're losing in cable, you can save some money. Almost all the money you're saving, you're actually probably paying more for the service. You're just not paying the taxes. Well, but you, we we do still tax wireless services. So not not we, to that extent. When you're, go, when you're going in, yeah, they will. But well, well that's, that's my that's exactly my point. When when somebody decides instead of having cable, the wire into your house, where I think I just I, I finally actually got these guys and, and, and bitched at them, <laughs> my cable company, and they dropped me down like fifty bucks. I said, you got to do something, or I'm out of here. Of course, not that I could put the. I'd have to have you over to help me put the thing together. You or Greg, but. Uh, and when the guy said to me, "Okay, you're down to 110 bucks a month on your cable, and by the way, 90 on your taxes and fees." Anybody thinks for a second that that when the if everybody decides to not have cable, and but you're still going to have the the in my neighborhood, it's all it's all the you know 90 bazillion megabytes of whatever. Okay, I dump the cable. It's the same feed. It's the same guy. It's the same wire. I mean, how much how much can I screw the guy when he's the same guy? I mean, no, like nobody's going to know what I'm doing, and, and the city's going to say, "Okay, I'm not going to use uh, I'm not going to use cable. I'm going to use streaming direct TV." Okay, and they they charge me eighty bucks a month for for or whatever it is for all the different taxes on the cable. They're not going to figure it out. But if all of a sudden well, I put a five G thing, a little my phone in there, and all of a sudden I got the world's greatest phone, and it powers the TV and powers everything, and all of a sudden I'm not going to see some huge honking bill on my on my phone or text. Well, without without moving to wireless, Tom, without losing moving to wireless, you still need some kind of wire, whether it's cables, coax, or whether it's fiber or something. You need something coming into your right. home so that you have it. And what I'm saying is. When 5G is fully rolled out, you won't need that anymore. Right, and what I'm you'll, saying you'll is, you'll just buy the 5G device and you'll have the wire. So that's going now. As far as a la carte, look, you can go buy a la carte. You can buy all kinds of a la carte services. I don't think that's where it's really going to go for most people. I think it's yeah. going to be just like cable, and and it is already. You can go subscribe to YouTube TV and you get a whole package of things. You can go subscribe to Hulu, you get a whole package of things, and. It, it's just like cable, except that it's more competitive. You you have choices. You can move, and you can move easily. Um, whereas if you if you're reliant on the cable, you can't move easily. If you've been re- totally well, reliant I mean, on that, I, so so the competition is going to hold the price down at least for some period I'm, of time I'm, until, I'm until is, the industry completely consolidates like they all do. Okay, but what I'm saying is, it, what's the uh, what's the song? It's it's still the same old story. You look at these downtown buildings. It's the same thing as the cable. The thing that caused these places to use people in the fir- lose people in the first place is because the city made the taxes amazingly onerous. In the minute there was some sort of way, either you, we wanted to or you couldn't, because COVID and people found out maybe they don't... I mean, 175 West Jackson, the place is a, a horror show right now, but with them going on. But it didn't start with COVID. It started with the drugstore leaving. It started with the bar leaving. Started with other people leaving because the rent was going up. All of a sudden, these buildings had the big renaissance 25, 30 years ago, where all of a sudden they started to become the type B places, put a whole bunch of money in it. They became uh, just a little bit on the one building because I know a lot about it. It was a type B building, which means they had alcohol, t- tobacco, and firearm people in there. They actually had a cell in there. They was all Social Security was in there, those kinds of places. Well, they, they all decided to move to the new Dirksen building and pay more, okay? 
So the building is now Class B. These diamond guys from this is this is 2000, Kevin. These diamond guys from New York buy the place. They put a hundred million dollars into the joint. It was one of those with the, it's a whole square block and it's got the, the windows open up to the inside where they got the big atrium. Well, they they put a cap over the atrium so they could you could still open the windows, but now they weren't losing all the energy in the wintertime and in the summertime. So they they spent you know a hundred million dollars 25 years ago is a lot of money to put in a building, right? I mean, maybe now it isn't, but then it was, and uh. So I think it's still a, a piece of change. Yeah, well, but so all of a sudden they start getting more and more people. The place gets pretty full. It's a happening place. All of a sudden the city starts, you know, ranching it up. And the place here, the, the building we're in right now, I mean, I, I was told once and I kind of forgot, I'm going to say their taxes are two to three times what they were in 2020, maybe maybe as much as four times. Okay, so now all of a sudden if you want to come in here and the place is empty and they go, well, here's your rent. Well, why is it so high? Because we're paying. I mean, it, the same thing, anybody who thinks that you're going to dodge this cable thing and the city's not going to figure it out and start, whatever it is you're using, they're going to find a way to, I mean, you can be slick for a while, but. Well, it, it, that, that applies to everything yeah. because, you know, let, let's, let's go the other way. Let's talk about electric cars for now. And, you know, Pete Buttigieg is always out there saying, uh, oh, well, you, you know, it's much cheaper. Electricity hardly costs you anything to, uh, uh, to run your car. Yeah, guess what? When they don't collect enough gasoline tax, you're going to have a mileage tax. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll ask it straight out. When I, when I use some gas in my Suburban, I'm paying 91 cents a gallon tax. And, when I, and I'm tell, I guarantee you uh, an electric pickup, because the piece of crap is, is, is heavier than mine, beats up the road more than I do. Why should that guy be free? Is, I'm, I'll say that right on the, on the air. Why should that guy be free? I'll be south side. If I'm paying, why isn't he? He shouldn't, and he's not going to be. Okay, well, what, so what are they going to do? No, what's, what, what they're going to do, yeah, they'll have a mileage tax, and they'll make you hook up your, your car so that you, you have no, you know, the, it's computerized, and, uh, and you, so you can't just lie. Um, so, you know, they, look, they, that's the infrastructure. That's the intrusiveness that, uh, um, that, was imp- that was imposed on us more than ever uh, over the last few years. Uh, so, you know, we just get people used to uh, used to the intrusiveness of uh, uh, of government, and uh, and once people accept it, then we'll we'll put this uh, this tracking device in your car. Uh, you know, it's it's like your um, your smart meter at your home yeah, for would... your electricity. Um, yeah, you know, the we'll, smart meter. We'll, smart we'll meter just do it. Smart meter doesn't tell anybody where I went that day. It's your home. It just it just knows I have a home. No, but if you don't have tracking turned off on your cell phone, um, now you, they've logged where you went that day, uh, just in a different way. Uh, that's true. Hey, uh, quick question here. Uh, I'm reading about the Biden administration said Tuesday if we give 130 million in student loans for borrowers who attended College America in Colorado, um, the action affects 7,400 borrowers who Biden said were lied to, ripped off, and saddled with mountains of debt. Um, I have, I don't. Yeah, whose hide are they taking that out of? Well, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, just this three, this two sentences I wrote gives me about fifteen questions. This, this whole idea, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just ask it for a guy uh, who obviously teaches at a, at a, a not. I work for the government. I teach at a public. Okay, school. Okay, so the idea is, as I, as I, if I, if I could go back to being, you know, in academics and take some, a couple of years off and clone and come back in from Hal and Hal Snar and, uh, and Russell. 
one thing I would do, Kevin, I'd write a book, or maybe it wouldn't be a whole book. I'd write a book on what is profit. What does non-profit mean? If you pay the bleep that runs the thing $10 million a year, there is profit. There's just no profit. There's just no owners. Yeah, not not for profit as a as an accounting term. Yeah, but so but this idea that that we have we we've been brainwashed into thinking that somehow or another the College of Phoenix or the College of somebody and somebody because they they like to turn a profit that somehow they're screwing the students and anything you borrowed to go there you should get your money back. Yet Notre Dame or Illinois, you can flunk out of there in two years and owe hundred thousand bucks, and and that's okay. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, the, the, the morals of the profit versus not-for-profit, why are we brainwashed into that, Kevin? What, well, and, and I don't have a problem at all with the for-profit uh, education model. I, you know, it, I don't either. It's, it, well, it's, it's fine with me, uh, and I think there are some good outfits out there that do, that do a nice job with it. And then there are some, uh, some scams out there to, uh, as well. So uh, that, I, I don't have any problem with that. Um, but you, what's the education establishment? It is the not-for-profit. It is the uh, you know the public school type of model, and uh, and who has the uh, uh, the big support infrastructure for uh, um, you know uh, the political connection for it? Well, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, well, I, I'd say everybody. I mean, every, it's not like the Republicans do anything different. No, no, I, I'm. No, I'm, I'm not talking. I'm talking about who has the political connection from the education side. It is the established universities. Well, I mean, so no, I was I wasn't talking about parties. Although you know, clearly, uh, you know, colleges t- do tend to be uh, more liberal by a long shot. Um, they, I, I don't even think that's you know worth debating. But uh, but that that's not really my point. My point is is, is simpler, and that is that the. Uh, um, the the people in the not for the technically not for profit world uh, are are only going to give it up grudgingly and uh, and because they have they are politically connected, um, you're going to see a lot of picking on the uh, for profit model. Well, it's just the way it is. I, I it is it is the way it is, and I also know that as as people can't go to a hospital because of the cost, and people can't go to school because of the cost, the only solution. And I would not want to be the person who has to do this. Would be to rip that whole thing apart, to say we're we're not, we're not going to give any money to a school, be it Illinois, Wisconsin. I don't know any of the numbers of these places. If your overhead cost is more than one and a half percent, I'm not giving you a dime. No, oh, I, you know, I, I'm with you. I, you know, I it, we've talked about this with the uh, the healthcare system, and it really applies uh, across the board. Is that all of a sudden uh, a lot's going into over overhead administration, uh, et cetera, um, and it's not necessarily going to um, uh, to people who uh, who do the educating. Um, although many of the uh, there are highly paid professors too. I ain't one of them, no. <laughs> but um, but uh, you know, yeah, I, I I think that whole model could stand to well, just, uh, uh, to to have a colon cleanse. But just I mean, ask yourself, you know, what is profit? Profit is if if I own the place and there's people that work there and there's customers and there's this there's this business. At the end of the day, if if the place took in a hundred million dollars and the place paid out ninety. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about cash, but it could, you know, of course you got your, whatever, you got all the other stuff that's accrual. There's $10 million left. That, that's, that's a profit. That, that means that the people who put up the money 
are getting a return to it, which they deserve because they put up the money. Okay, there's no, I don't think anybody can sort of debate that. But if you get the money like from government and so forth, and at the end of the, at the end of the day, the ten million dollars less is just all paid out the bonuses or the, or the price increases for the top fifty people. I wouldn't. I'd say that's still profit, <laughs> wouldn't you? I mean, it, it should go back to whoever gave you the money in the first place, like the state. But it doesn't. You just. You, I mean, what did what did Eric say? It's the management class. It's the problem in this country. They're, they're beholding to nobody, and it's in not profit. It's in regular stuff. It's certainly in utilities. They're the management class. You know, and it's it's a whole different world we're in. I mean, uh, don't well, you know? and and yes, and so there's your university president, your provost, your you know, all of those kinds of jobs that are the management class in the education world. And when I when I looked at the university or the University of California, their system, I think when I look, Kevin, I should look again. It was a few years ago, there, there were there were ten other people for every every teacher job. They were ten to one. I mean. <laughs> How kind of deal is that? Just saying. No wonder. Yeah. Well, and, and there's a certain amount of it that I think is really important. In fact, I think, um, you know, if I, I, I don't want to get too deeply into it, but you know, when I talk about my own uh, college, I don't think we spend enough on certain parts of the administrative side, but or the staff side. Let's put it that way. Um, but that's you know, I'm talking about advising and. Uh, um, enrollment specialists and people like that whose job it is to help students navigate being in college um, because that speaks you know I mean ultimately I'm not doing anybody a favor if I don't uh, if I don't get them through if I don't get them a meaningful credential well, so, I'm not, to... so as a teacher I have to do that well, but I would like the infrastructure to do that because I don't have time to do it full time well I don't uh, let's Maybe kick this up on Friday because what you just described is essentially the wheel of retailing. You know, which is how much service do you give somebody and how many people use it. I mean, if I, if Moraine Valley, I don't know if you guys do this, Moraine Valley has has uh, a bunch of, well, the one place I go for my cars, the guy's got about seven different certificates and brakes and engines and so forth, and he did it all at Moraine Valley. If I'm that guy, I want to pay. Just the professor in the room. I don't want any counseling. I don't want any of that crap. I don't want to pay for any of it. I just want my class. And, and if I if I can get this class for 150 bucks, I'm in or 250 whatever. I, it I understand that. But if somebody also came out of a weak uh, high school system, I mean, look, can I can I make my college ready for the students I get, or can or, or do the students have to be ready for me? And to some extent, I'd love to change the world such that the um, that the high schools produce college-ready students 100% of the time. They don't. So I need people, you know, if you're a first-generation college student, and uh, uh, then you, are, you, you have this whole navigation thing, and there is nobody in your support system that really understands what that's about. We're, so, we're you know, there, there's, there's a lot you have to do. It isn't, it isn't, it, is, it can be overdone, it can be overblown, it, it can also be underdone, and I worry sometimes, at least where I work, a, we don't invest enough because we are tight with money. We, I, we are always tight with money. We're, you know, the state of Indiana, and Ivy Tech is pretty good about how it spends the uh, taxpayers' money. Um, they're very conscious of it. I just wonder sometimes if we are spending it in the right I, places. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you 100%. The question is, who, who pays? I mean, we gotta, we'll dash to Russell. We'll talk, I might talk more about it with Russell because 
I agree with you. The, 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 a lot of the kids out of high school are not ready to do the college experience, and the college needs to have, let's put it this way, somebody needs to have some services in the middle there to make this happen properly. Now, should it be on the other students in the school? Should it be on the taxpayer general? These are the debates. We, we know that, that's the whole thing with the Obamacare stuff. Back in the day, before Obamacare, and I'm not a huge fan of it at all, but the system that was there before, that some people in the hospital paid more than they had to to pay for the people in the hospital that didn't, that was, that was a bleep system. We knew that that was going nowhere. Now, the, the new system maybe doesn't work either, but everybody knows that you, you can't insure, the other people in the hospital can't insure the people in the hospital. That, that's a, that's all. Why should they pay? Why, just because you're in there, you got to pay for the guy who can't pay versus the guy next door to you who's healthy? I mean, it, it, it comes down to who pays, right? It's, yeah, well, I had a whole proposal that goes back to 2010 for that. So, Oh, I know. You I, did. Knew, that's I right. knew what I wanted to I, do. That's right. SB Futures down 7. As if he's down 48, we're going to have a real short break because we talked over into Russell's spot. Russell will be back in a second. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Suppose you run your business and let me run mine. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Stocks. Well, jocks. Well, we're up stocks and jocks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 8 and SP Futures down 57. We got some earnings here. We've got Microsoft down about 13. That's almost 4%, but it's been up like every single day. We've got Boeing up 7, 3.5%. we got Google, evidently, which won the... Uh, my AI is better than your AI. War with Microsoft last night is up seven. That's almost six percent. So we've got we got we got stuff moving. Uh, actually, having the transportation areas, we have Union Pacific up eighteen bucks. I didn't. That's almost ten percent. I I didn't look at those guys' earnings yesterday. I'm glad I didn't. I don't think I would have played them up eighteen bucks. Uh, Russell, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. And yesterday uh, we had one of those trades that that happens like once in a great while. <laughs> And uh, I'm still stunned it happened. I mean, it, it was the uh, we have a, a lot of the people, not a lot, we have some clients that have had for years. Um, for those that don't know, UPS, who just had their 
their contract allegedly uh-huh. settled yesterday. A lot of people retired from UPS with a lot of uh, stock, right? And uh, yeah, and it's it's a very difficult m- management situation because usually these people that's like the only stock they have, and I mean, that, that's essentially their four hundred one k. But the problem is that uh, normally, if you kind of come out of a four hundred one k with you know with like cash, if you're in a bunch of funds and all that stuff, you just you can bring a, a, a oh, how's this how's this sound Ross? if you want me to manage it you basically shift the, the 401k into an IRA here at PTI and we will manage it and um, generally it's a bunch of mutual funds that you don't bring so in essence you're bringing a check okay yeah and, and we can go forward from there do you want to be in indexes do you want to do individual stack whatever it is every person's different do you want fixed income now a lot of people want to one half of it in the T-bills at 5.5% or something. and Everybody's different. That's the whole point of managing money for people like I do, is everybody's different. But in general, if, if the, the problem with the UPS is the UPS lobs out the, the fact that people's cost basis, when you, when you take the stack, might be like 3 bucks or 5 bucks. How the hell they figure that, I have no idea, but it, I, can't, I can't debate that with them. So if somebody you know, sells 100 shares of, of UPS... Uh, they're going to end up paying taxes on that. At some, you know, certainly if it's an individual account, right? Because a lot of this isn't even yeah. in an IRA; it's an individual account. So then you're then you've got huge tax issues on this, because actually the the stock ownership plan was different than the pension plan. Because I think they have a they have a defined benefit plan, so that's sort of different. So all you're getting is the stock. So it's not even four hundred one k. So. So anyway, we've got somebody who's uh, uh, not doing so well. Um, so we, we're managing the stock, basically protecting it with puts, because you don't—you got to be real careful with the calls because if something gets called away, you're talking about a hundred and fifty buck tax thing, you know, which you don't want to do. Yeah. So I mean, it's—it's—it can get very complicated. That's why, you know, I don't—I don't—I don't push too often on the show, Russell, uh, Russell, that uh, you know people should use me to manage their money because this is all very complicated. You're not going to get this out of most people. You know, the stuff, the individual. Handholding that we can do. Anyway, enough with that. But so we have just these these puts at in there, right? They're protecting the stack. And they're like the eighty-two and a half puts. So the, the stack races up after the after the uh, they, they announced the the uh, union agreement. Stack races yep. up to like eighty-nine or something. So we buy. I said, you know, we got to roll these puts up because now they're not doing us any good. They're so far away. We buy the eighty-seven and a half puts, sell the eighty-two and a half puts for fifty cents. So we rolled up five hours for fifty cents. I'm thinking, you know, the stock may keep going up, but at least let's move our insurance deductible yeah. off for left better term. It could, and I don't know how the hell we got filled because the stock went down to even. And I actually went to get a glass of water. I come back and Larry says to me, "We're filled." I said, "How the hell did you get filled?" He goes, "I don't know." The stock ran up like four and a half bucks, and we got filled. Well, it couldn't have been ten minutes later. Russell, the stack, they decide now, somebody must be reading the agreement, they don't like it so much. Now the stack is down, and Larry goes, how about if I put the same <laughs> the same spread, we'll sell it at three. I said, go ahead. It could have been ten minutes. We bought it at 50 cents and sold yeah. it at three. <laughs> I don't think that's happened <laughs> certainly in months. <laughs> we, we did, and all we did was routine stuff. There was no speculation or anything there. It was just uh oh, the stock's up. We need to move. Just got lucky. Yeah, you just got, and I'm like, it happens. It happens every once in a while. Yeah, right? but you it, can't 
you can't get lucky if you're not watching the thing all day as well, which I'm not doing, you're doing. Well, it's it's the you know, you know routine adjustments. If you just mm-hmm. I, I found that the routine adjustments, the stuff that in your in your program, the stuff that you just you do when a stack races down and even though you think it's going lower, I mean you roll your puts down in general you you have a lot of good trades there. You know, cuz you mm-hmm. are you, you are essentially buying low and selling high, but you know, it, it's hard when it's down. It, it's a lot easier if, if a stack runs down to roll the puts down and essentially get yourself longer than it is to say this is the bottom and buy more stock. I mean, yeah. just, uh, I mean routine adjustments are are nice. What did you what did you uh have you caught the last part? Well, of- I want I want to stick with the UPS thing. Real yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have a little theory, and and if you didn't bring it up, I was going to bring it up. Uh, you know the the like you said, the stock reversed after maybe they started figuring out what is in the deal. We got all. This is one of several, uh, you know, kind of high profile negotiations that are going on right now, and if UPS gave in, um. You know, are all the other big companies going to give in? And if they're get, you know, if they're giving in that to what the you know what the employees want, that means much higher wages. And does that mean we're going to have a second bout of inflation? Um, or or is this just a catch up? I I think that what the, the all you know it, it's like every day, you know, you you see something about. You know, the United Airlines pilots are going to strike. FedEx pilots are thinking about striking. You're, and it's not just the transportation area, although the transportation area, uh, if you know, who's going to end up paying for you know, all of those raises? You know, people that ship stuff in, on, over through UPS or people that, you know, travel on the airlines. I'm going to, I'll but, give you yeah, a... It's, it's, I'm, just, I'm just wondering if. I'm going to say. I, I keep. I, I think there's a concern about a second round of inflation, and you know it, it could it could come about if Russia does a bunch of stupid stuff, but nobody's really thinking about uh, what could happen domestically that could could cause us to. You know, I'll, suddenly I'll, uh, you and I are talking, and we get a surprise CPI in three months. I will give you a uh, a little bit of a history lesson that you probably already uh-huh. know, and on, on last time when I say last time during the '70s. In early eighties, yeah. and and what happened there was now, again, it's 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 totally it was totally different, okay, because it was much longer. This is different. This is a a two and a half year, thirty to forty percent money supply bulge deal. That wasn't. That was eight or nine percent money supply growth over a long period of time. The inflation was was there. It was relentless. It was never. It was never like this. It was never thirty percent in two years. It, it, it was different. Mm-hmm. So, so what ended up happening there is, uh, I don't think, well, individual people never caught up, and they're not going to catch up now either. No, they're not going to catch up this time no. either. And, and, yeah. and, the, and the companies have already raised the prices, so they're they're two years ahead of of the unions getting the raise. You know, so they're they're fat and happy. The the, the, the guy up top's already gotten his raise, right? So, but but. Let's, I'll, I'll try and answer your question. In those days, what happened, and I'm not... Do you know, you know a lot more than I do about this, do you know if these new, contact, these new contracts are containing cost-of-living allowances in there? I, they don't say they I, are, I don't, but I can't believe they aren't either. No, I can't believe they're not e- you know, either unless the... Uh, 
the unions gotten super smart and realized that you know, realized the things that we talk about on here that that cost of living adjustments not really covering the adjusted cost of your living but even if you don't we don't want yeah. to have the debate at least this this second whether the PTI means a crap anymore I think it doesn't but let me, let me finish my story about what happened last time over a period mm-hmm. of time because um, I know I, I was you know when I say I was the tail end of it I was 77 onward and it really started in 68 the inflation you know and then the, mm-hmm. it, it it got a shot in the ass when the when the Arabs did the thing in 73 but it was already moving because we went off the gold standard in 68 right where when we were increasing the money supply to pay for the Vietnam War so we already sort of like this time we were already doing it and then COVID came along you know, they were already doing it and then the, then the Arab embargo came along so I mean something mm-hmm. always happens that you don't want to have happen to, to add fuel to your fire so all of a sudden, when you say these unions, they didn't get cost of living adjustments in 68 or 69 or 70. They probably didn't get them until 75, 76. So, so they're already five years, you know, in the part that yeah. was over the fence last. So, so when I, enter, enter me, enter the chief. I'm in the picture. Now all of a sudden everybody's got these clauses, okay? And most of them were not 100%. Now Pullman, what we signed with the... With, uh, uh, both Amtrak and with Massachusetts Bay for the contract I worked on, we had we had a hundred percent adjustment. So if if your if your CPI was up three percent last quarter, we added three percent to the total bill, and they said okay, that that was part of the deal. Now I'm thinking, mm-hmm. boy, I wish I could remember. I think our steel, I think we were steelworkers. Uh, I think those guys got maybe 0.8, of the CPI. They didn't get a hundred percent. I don't know that the trucks and the lighting and the seats, those are big parts of the, of the, of the train. Uh, the trucks are huge. Obviously, the seats are huge. The air conditionings are huge. The lights are huge. The rest of it, you know, you kind of put it together. Um, so those people all had, I'm going to say, maybe 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9. A couple of them might have had 100. So everything kind of got adjusted. But when Volcker comes in, because even if you do the CPI legitimately, oh, that's a shot fired now that I don't think they are, even if you do it legitimately, it's somewhat of a of a uh, lagging indicator, right? So Volcker comes in, and now he clamps down on the money supply, and he throws everybody in a recession, he does all this crap. So I think the last, I'm going to, I'll go out on a limb and say that the last year, Russell, I would say that there was no inflation, okay, really. Mm-hmm. And yet the CPI was running off, you know, it, it was lagging. So for the next year, yeah. the CPI said that there still was inflation. So people, the wages were going up based on these COLA clauses when they really, quote, shouldn't have been. So for the last year, I'm going to say people could not raise the prices. They, they, economically, the, the price raising wasn't there, but they had to do something because the labor pro- costs were still going up. We're not close to that here. When, I mean, I'm going to say United's fares yeah. are up way more in the last five years than they're going to pay these guys. I mean, they're, they're going to get a 40% raise, the pilots, over seven years. I mean, I guess if you if you were to look at your airfares versus seven years ago, you're way past the 40%. Same thing with prices on cars and you name it. UPS, same thing. There's no way they're not 40% higher than they were seven years ago, I don't think. Yeah. So yeah, no, we've we've already got it. I'm just I, it just it, it just dawned on me when I saw the UPS thing was settled, and how the stock behaved yesterday. What you just talked about, that you know our you know 
is is management really having to give in? Well, here's yeah, here's what could happen. To give in, but, but here's what could happen, Russell. I mean, it won't. Mm-hmm. But here's what could happen. What if all these people do get a cost of living adjustment, and two years from now, or three years from now, or something, somebody with some semblance of truth in their mouth, unlike the two people that are probably going to be running, says, hey, you know what? This CPI is really screwed up. It's not even close to where it ought to be. What if they make an adjustment <laughs> and nudge it up like 15% to where all of a sudden yeah, yeah. to where all of a sudden everybody's going to get a 15% rate? That could do what happened during the early 80s. But other than that, I don't, I don't, I think they lie forever on the CPI. Oh, I'm sure they, I'm, I'm sure they, there, there are people that benefit from the way that CPI is calculated. As long as that's going on, uh, they're, they're not going to mess with it too much. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, teachers out here where I live, they're part of their race is based on the annual CPI, but we actually have a cap on it or had a cap on it when I negotiated. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not hundred percent. You're not hundred percent. Yeah. No. No, no, it's uh, it, no, it's it's CPI up to a certain number, but then there's also a minimum number. It's like there's a collar on the CPI in the contract. Now, what sense does that make? <laughs> I, it's they, they want to make well, I, the, I was on the school board. Good God, how long ago was I on the school board? Man, was that a waste of my? I've tried to blank it out. It's one of those things that I hope the concussionist may just go out of my brain. But uh, we were in a no-inflation environment. In fact, we had we had a budgetary problem because we got a CPI number that had like a two-handle on it. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's, it... I really it was because I, our contract was the uh, year over year in December. Yeah, you know, was applied to the following calendar year, and we had like a two point six percent CPI right before I got on the board, and it was completely screwing up our budget. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. but I, I think the CPI has so, been a laughing stack since two thousand. Only, only oh, because yeah. only because uh, they have not included the medical stuff in there. Yeah, and a bunch of other. There's just way too much. Right? Anything there's discretion in uh, is going to start to get screwed up over time. Are you a follower of uh, Professor Goodhart? Any index that becomes a target ceases its value as an index. Exactly. Because it's it's just it, it's being cannibalized. Yeah. Well, you know, how in, a, in a nutshell, it's being cannibalized. But well, but how does uh, why when you have these big time negotiations, um, what would you use? I mean, uh, ten years That's ago, all, see there, you know, either either just a hard number, um, or maybe the PCE. Well, uh, that's even worse. Or you know, I, you know, yeah, you know, I know, or but. Uh, um, it, it, I don't know, it, it, you know, or maybe a blended, or you know, there there are components of the uh, of the employment number that we get, you know, the first Friday of every month. There there are you know wage cost numbers in there. Maybe that's something that you apply. Um, this is gonna this is gonna this is gonna ruin your day. I mean, by the uh-huh. way, Ken Griffin's sixty three million dollar Chicago condo sell off is not going well. No, oh, I don't. I've been in that place. It was really nice. Well, Russell, this I'm is America totally for 63. I'm totally screwing around when I say that. I don't want anybody to actually think I'm God. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, for 63 million bucks, this is America. It should be nice. 
Yeah, no, it, it, was, it, it had some decent artwork, and it, so. Well, f- Mr. Professor, there, there was, if yeah. I, if you and I, are we gonna let Greg in on this? I don't know. He might. He's young. He could do some more work. If we're gonna say, if somebody calls us up and says, "Hey, we want, we got this big subdivision, and we are going to grow this place, and we want these interesting houses," uh, that, um, you know, I'm talking about when nobody when nobody gives a crap about. You know what I would love to do, on, kind of on the bucket list, Russell. I've seen you a lot. You better get on the bucket list. Yeah, I, I would, lo- I would, I'd love yeah. to do is, is, is uh, since I know a lot of people that even though they might be older, they're healthier. You know, people have, uh, you know, broken an ankle skiing or some crap, and all of a sudden they're in a wheelchair or a walker. Fr- I would love to build a home that is totally set up for people to grow old and be handicapped in, yet nobody can know tell by looking at it. You, know, oh, you mean like uh, you never know what's on the inside of a house when you look at it on the outside? No, just every every door, so, every door. Well, being, I mean, it's like a nor- normal looking house. Yeah, right? every every door thirty six right. inches, so you could drive a wheelchair through if you had to. Every every showers walk in, which I like anyway. I mean, just mm-hmm. you know, you might have a couple of handles around, but I want you know where the instead of having a big ugly ramp that tells everybody somebody handicapped lives here, some way where the, the driveway would would drop off at a spot where you go right through the front door and nobody even notice it. I'd, I'd love to do that. Oh, it's like uh, like, you, like you put the bushes up that yeah. hide the ramp so you can't tell us my step. Yeah, I mean, I, I, whatever. Like but yeah. I'm saying, if you and I, and this is a, a serious economic question. because people as aesthetically pleasant. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Not to mention, I like a big walk-in shower, too, and I'm not handicapped. <laughs> I don't want to step yeah. in a tub. But what I'm saying is, if you and I, if somebody says, okay, we'll do it. You guys, we want you to do this. We want ten houses a year built for the next ten years. I mean, after uh-huh. we build a model, and but you know, uh, but here's the price. You know, it's whatever, it's three hundred, four hundred, whatever the hell. I have no idea what it would cost. Uh, but now we'll put an escalator clause on that. What would we use if we if we'd have done this ten years ago oh, and use this and use the CPI? You and I are way out of business. I don't. I don't. I think we'd be out of business for five years. So oh, what, what would we to, use? You'd have to find a. You'd have to find a home price index. So that you keep up with, you know, with, so that you keep up with the housing prices in the, you know, in your area. But right now, if we had a home, yeah. home price index, it's going to be, in one man's opinion, very inflated. So if all of a sudden, a few people have to hit their markets, homes have to hit the market, and housing <coughs> prices drop twenty percent or fifteen percent, <coughs> which. I'm looking to actually, I hope it doesn't happen, Russell, but given the fact the mortgage rates are double, I, I, I'm looking for it. Suppose that happens, how does that help us? Is that gonna, the cost of two-by-fours aren't going to go down. No. So I don't, I don't no, like not, that answer, not, Professor. Not well, but no, the price of two-by-fours two by would come down if the house, if housing prices little bit, down. A little bit. Yeah, but not, not, to the, not to the same extent. So I, I'm not and so I, sure what index you know, we would use. Dollars. But isn't that, isn't that supposed to be why the CPI is there? Because people can actually use it as a legitimate index. Yeah, and you could use a, you could use the uh, housing component of the CPI. Uh, there you so go. Would you want to do that? There's, I guess we could use some kind of a, a lumber index. Maybe would, would, that would be in there. But I mean, it would be it would be really difficult to construct yeah. something that would be fair for us and the person who's paying us. Which it shouldn't be. We should and, just use the CPI. And there would. There would always be somebody that would gripe about it. Well, I mean, maybe that—maybe that, that's how we got to where we are with the CPI in this day and age. That uh, you know, that that 
they they try to adjust it in a way that they get the minimum amount of griping, and it's turned it into a horrible index. I would when I used to do this with the Boston <laughs> the Boston guys every quarter, and they mm-hmm. you know and, uh, people would say okay it's up two and a half percent for the quarter, which is about what we were doing. We were doing like a percent a month, a little little less. Um, nobody nobody ever said. Well, I, I don't see any. You guys are screwing us. I mean, nobody ever said that. Every, the, the index was pretty close to what people's observation were. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, it, like I said, near the end, it probably wasn't because it just because it was lagging. But it wasn't because. I mean, you don't, you didn't have guys like me saying, "Well, these guys say it's, it's last month was or last year was three percent." If you look around you, it should have been ten. I mean, I, I don't recall anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't people like us back then. Just saying. But no, I, mean, there, I think there were people like us back then. But no, they, no they just, it, it, it sort of matched up to what, yeah. you know, and uh, I don't, right now it's not at all. What, uh, I mean, edu- well, you know, over, over, over time, it, you know, has disconnected from reality. I mean, you could say that about a lot of stock indexes as well. You can say well, that about, you know, you, you can t- say that about, you know, stock indexes right now because we've had, uh, you know, we've had technology incorporate so much performance that you know that that now you know the S&P 500 is very much dominated by the performance of tech stocks for a while. And there was a period of time where it was you know overly dominated by energy stocks. It's a, it's actually interesting to look at what the top, you know, sector in the S&P 500 was by decade because it has varied from time to time to time. Well, uh, I, I actually and I want to get I'm not mm-hmm. supposed. You're supposed to be quizzing me, but I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look at these as Microsoft uh, PE ratio when we come back from break here, and it's you know it's historically somewhat high, and there's probably three or four components of why it's that high, and I, I think we should probably kind of go through them because you are probably my most market. Uh, well, maybe Carl, but you guys, you guys are you have your finger on the pulse of the market damn near as much as I do. I'm a but it's, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're pushing a, a stock here that is a 37 PE as of this morning. Okay, that's for, a, for a, a mature company of that size. What is it normally for these guys, or historically, 19, 20, somewhere? Yeah, you'd think, you'd think of at least half. Yeah, and, uh, and I guess no, what, right what I want you to kind of uh, ponder during break is, is it, as Joel has mentioned, Chief, these stocks are going to own everything. You just got to ride them. They're they're that big. They're that powerful. If you're not with them, you're against them, and you're nuts. Or mm-hmm. is it is it some kind of a a speculative boom that just because they've been going up, they keep going up, and we've got such trend setting people are just momentum traders at a point where they'll drive it to 100 and wonder why it goes down someday. Or is it they're actually going to grow faster than any stock that that big ever ever has before, but they're going to. Or is it? Uh, I mean, I, I don't. You know what? I don't know what else it could be. I mean, it's. Is it? Oh, it could. It, it could be. It, it could be. Um, who can blame you for owning Microsoft? Yeah. You know. Well, after play, let's kick it around. Because, because yeah. is it? You know, is it? Um, does it mean every stack now deserves a thirty-seven PE? Mm. You know that that would be a, a shake to history. Anyway, the SP futures down seven. The SP futures down thirty-nine. But it could happen. We'll, we'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. 
Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 20,000 francs says it isn't. Is that a serious offer? I just paid out 20 and I'd like to get it back. Make it 10. I'm only a poor corrupt official. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Just remember, Greg, that's what you don't want to be is a poor corrupt official. Just saying. <laughs> Just, I'm not saying you want to be a corrupt official at all, but if you do, you don't want to be a poor one because... You have to defend yourself. You're just an the, idiot. You're just an idiot. SP Futures down six and a half. NASDAQ Futures down 33. After all these days in a row, uh, Dow's down 64. But after we can do that, we can come up over that 60 and make it 13 in a row if we want. Over in Asia, we've got the uh, Nikkei down 14. Call that flat. It had a big move up yesterday. Hang Seng down 69, but they were up. It's 0.3 percent, but they were up 4 percent yesterday. There's a little bit of give back here. Shanghai down 8.3 percent. I think they were up two yesterday. So. A little bit of give back, but surely not much. Europe, though, we we're selling off here pretty good. Uh, DAX down 146.9%, FTSE down 44.6%, Kakaran down 137. That's almost 2%. Uh, Rolls Royce, however, is up 21%. So there you go. You get your new rolls. Picks and shovels. Yeah, there you go. Picks and shovels. Uh, yesterday we were the Dow was up 26, so it kept its streak intact, but not by much. S&P up 12, Nasdaq up, up 85. We have bonds. Uh, down four basis points, 3.87. The one up one basis point, 2.41. Japan unchanged, 0.45. We've got gold with a decent rail here this morning, up 938, 1973.
Could it be? It's going back to 2000. We'll see. This has been the high end of the range for a while uh, in the 1970s. We'll see if it breaks out. I, you know, I don't know. I don't think it. I don't think it will. Silver down three cents, 24.79. Every time I think is over 25, this guys, it's like whack them all. Uh, at least has been. Uh, copper down three cents, 3.88. I mean, all these ranges can change, but they stay for a while, and then the minute you think they're not going to change, then they do, right, Greg? Bitcoin down uh, eight bucks, only 29,222. We got the U.S. dollar virtually. I'm going to say it's unchanged. I'm both against the euro, against the pound. Everybody's waiting for the Fed. And then, we don't, then they don't have another meeting until September. What are we going to do all August? Greg, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Morning, everyone. 736. Chicago here at 78 degrees. Feels like 84. Uh, air quality is air quality index is 104, so it's bad. Grab a mask. Hot and humid today with showers, heavier uh, thunderstorms. We're in for. In Phoenix, we've got 96 right now. Sunny all day. High 116 and uh, record tying temperatures in Phoenix. So traffic inbound kennedy o'hare to the interchange is 63 minutes eden's to lake cook on the uh kennedy is 76 minutes inbound ike wolf to the interchange 39 minutes dan ryan 95th to the interchange is 22 inbound stevenson 294 to dan ryan is 28 minutes sports we got us playing the netherlands tonight this is women's soccer at eight central cubs beat the white Sox seven to three Diamondbacks win at home over the cards, and unfortunately, uh, again, Rocky Wirtz died yesterday, 70, and here's a quote from the chairman of the NHL. Um, On a personal level, Rocky was a dear friend whose counsel I consistently sought. He was a highly respected member of the executive committee of League, League Board of Governors whose wisdom and camaraderie were valued by his fellow owners. That's all I got, Chief. Yeah, to you. Uh, short illness, I think that was pretty darn healthy. It's a uh uh, whatever it's uh, tom- what do they say tomorrow's promise to nobody you know it's unfortunate uh, on that happy note we got Russell back uh, yeah, I guess the other thing I should interject in there is a reason if, if people actually think that interest rates are going back down to 1% which some significant percentage of the population does I don't I don't think <laughs> a, 30, a 37 PE is out of the question if uh, interest rates are 1% right but I mean, yeah, but that you, you know, and people believing that's going to happen and looking at what the market's pricing in, uh, you know, we may start to get cuts six to nine months from now, and it will take a long time for us to get back down to one percent, if ever, in our lifetimes. Yeah, I, would, I mean, one percent is you know, amazing. I mean, that we're, we 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 were below, you know that. You know, if you had a really neat chart that showed what what a normal range would be, we were way below that number for a long time, for a very long time, and now we're spending a short period of time above, you know, wh- what I think everybody would be comfortable with, and it's going to take a long time. If, I, I don't think we're ever going to get back down to one percent, and you can't justify stock valuations on something like that. I, I personally just think it's that. Uh, money can't figure out where to go and you've got these big you know big high profile stocks that have been around forever that you know have have performed quite well for people and when there's not a whole lot of other alternatives or not a whole lot of other attractive alternatives you know money's just flowing into microsoft and google and and you know not not so much meta but you know the the big or apple that's the name yeah. i don't 
that was escaping me there. Uh, but it's really more of it, it's it's not a bunch of pe- it, it, you don't have a whole bunch of people that are going okay. That's a 37p on Microsoft. I'm going to buy shares. They're not. They're they're just looking at Microsoft's a nice big shiny company that a lot of people have made money off of. How much of it, uh, if if any, Russell, yep. I'm leading the witness. Mm-hmm. How much of it is uh, um, schmucks like me? Uh, well, actually, there aren't many that are like me to do the, what I do. But but if you if, if if Grandpa Russell was still alive and he wants to say Russell, where, where's a guy I can do some pretty conservative investing with? I would hope you'd say me. And uh, so yes. Grandpa walks in with, with five mil cash, and he wants to be in the market, but he wants to be protected. Okay, so I'm probably not going to start picking stocks for Grandpa, and if he doesn't have any that he cares about, no. I'm going to say we're going to do, we're probably going to do ETFs, and we're going to protect it. So even if, even if I buy the spiders today, okay, and the spiders are at four fifty five, say, and he goes, I, I think the market's a little toppy. Let's let's be aggressive on the. So if I bought the 455 puts out, say, eight months from now or six months from now, I'm talking about roughly a 50 delta put, right? Maybe 45, somewhere. Yeah. So, and if he says, yeah, I don't mind, you know, um, if we got to chase the calls, I don't care because I think it's toppy. So say I did something I normally wouldn't do, and I'll sell the 458 calls for next week, you know, which given us four bucks, which the way the market goes up isn't, isn't hasn't been enough. But let's say we do that, and that's going to be a – a 25 delta call probably maybe 22 mm-hmm. and uh so now i got i got grandpa in a 30 delta position and the most he can lose is what we paid for the put minus what we got from the call and if the market mark goes down 50 percent, he's going to be down uh, probably what three bucks or something now but, but what did we just do we just bought a bleep load of microsoft google yeah Without without even knowing it, without even well, I know it, and you know it, and Grandpa probably would know it. We can't get away <laughs> from buying these places, even though we may say the last thing we want to do is buy Microsoft at this level. We just did. Yeah, you know, and if you you know if you happen to buy the queues, you know, you decide to buy the queues because Grandpa wants to be aggressive. Um, you, you know, a quarter of your portfolio right there is Microsoft. Yeah. and you know, Apple. And, and, unless we right off the bat. Unless he so he he wants that he hates them so much that we start uh-huh. we start dodging into the the lower ones. We'll do the XLE because we know we're uh-huh. buying oils or we're buying uh, the banking. Why buy the banking ones? I don't know. But uh, but I mean, what, unless we really skirted around it, any kind of a major investment in the market using the Qs or the or the S and P five hundred or the OEX, you're you're buying. What it's going to be? What? How much? What's percentage? Forty percent of it is those five stacks, right? Or is seven stacks? Maybe fifty percent. Uh, for the Qs, it's uh, fifty-five. Or well, they made a bunch of adjustments that I still haven't gotten around to looking into as much as I should have. Uh, but last week it was like the top seven stocks were fifty-five percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on a pretty regular basis, because they, you know, I, I do a lot of work for the folks at Nasdaq, and so I pay a lot of attention to the Nasdaq one hundred. On a regular basis, the top ten stocks are half the performance. Right. It's been it's been like that for I mean it's been like that for well it was in two thousand as long as I've been as long as I've been focusing on well in two thousand they they dropped off that dramatically when when the thing crashed. Yeah. It, it was five stocks that were forty eight percent of the of the queues. What the queues went from one hundred and twenty to what twenty five because Cisco went yeah. from sixty to six and. I know what happened to Oracle because we had clients in that. Um, and uh, but I mean, it, it, it can happen. 
I mean, those the, the, yeah. the things that take you up are the ones that take you down, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, it just it, it, they they seem to be the last ones that are going to crack. Uh, you know, it's almost. But I mean, I mean, if these are these are investment decisions that, I mean, uh, you know, Maddie Maddie Weber, my nephew, both have the the well, uh, Maddie's da- daughter's not as old as my nephew's uh, number one girl, but the, they both have. But anyway. She's five or six, and, and Maddie's is uh, two years, and now they got another one on the way. So anyway, there's there's four, well, three of them. We know our girls. We don't know what Maddie's new one's going to be yet. Maybe he does. He hasn't told me. Uh, it, but if somebody, you know, if, if all of a sudden Maddie says, here's all the presents I've gotten for all these kids, or these kids, the two kids, I want to get an account. Here's ten grand. i am going to say the, the first thing I'm going to do, Russell, for, for somebody who's got a, hopefully 110 years ahead of them, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put them in, in the spiders or the cues or something. Again, I just bought I yeah. just bought Microsoft. I mean, I, you can't get around it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, mean, you almost no, can't you get can. around. It. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. Well, you can you you can, but it it's not it it's not within the capabilities. And when I say the capabilities, I mean the time that you would need to invest in doing it. I'm not insulting the population there, uh, but you, if you don't have the ability to, you know. Go out there and investigate indivi- you know, individual stocks and figure out how you want to construct your own portfolio. Um, you know, there's just this big convenience factor that you buy the stock market and move on in life. Well, but you also and, I mean you could and don't you, you know, could if if, uh, if if you really had a, a hair up your ass about it, you could say, uh, you know what, I don't I don't like those stocks. I'm going to buy the XLV, which is an index, but it's a healthcare index. Or I'll buy yeah. the XL, the XLE, which is the oil index. I mean, but I don't know. I don't know that I want to do that for forty years for somebody. Now, of course, the kid's going to make a, no. his own decisions somewhere. Because because those those sectors come in and out of favor. Yeah. So uh, unless you're you know unless you've got some really great way of figuring out you know which of the I, I call those the XL funds. Yeah. Um, which are the big sector funds? Um, but. You know, figuring out which one, you know, the macroeconomic environment and which one you want to be involved in. And, you know, do you, do you think the big banks are going to be around forever? Well, you didn't want to be in a banking um, ETF for, you know, March right. of this year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when they all had the big dip. So, you know, they're, you, you, you start to talk. I and mean, basically, what we're talking about is, uh, the trade-off between um, you know diversification uh, and moderating your risk, and possibly being in investments that you're not really excited about. Well, you could, if you if you yeah, want, but make you're it. but you're not looking at it that way. You're just looking at um, your spy performance. You're not looking at the individual components and how they're Im- impacting the ETF. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to do something yeah. that um, hopefully I'd still be managing it ten years from now. I wouldn't even really have to touch it. Every every couple of months we buy a few more shares of whatever it is for whatever the uh-huh. new girl's name is going to be uh but i mean i w- would you go out on a limb and say i'm going to do the russell and stick with the small cap and decide that for 20 years yeah, uh-huh. i don't know if i don't know if i do that either Not, well maybe yeah yeah you're you're you're, you're pushing me into a new corner you, you, you painted yourself into a small corner with that one yeah uh just because well because uh, it, when I teach, when I taught, I'm not going to teach undergrads anymore. But when I taught undergrads, um, I would uh, I would say 
they, I would show you know risk reward. I would show how much more volatile the small cap index is versus the large cap index, and I would say you know you guys should be investing in the Russell two thousand because you've got a higher risk tolerance than I do. You know, I should be you know investing in the S and P five hundred. Wait, you um, didn't because, you didn't create uh, the Russell two thousand? Wait, that's not your. I, I had nothing to do with that, although. Every time when I, when I've worked at places and people go to conferences, I have more uh, Russell two thousand crap in my <laughs> swag closet than I know what to do with. Really? I swear to God, I have like ten Russell hats. I think you should tr- change uh, your Twitter to uh, yeah. <laughs> just Russell two thousand. Yeah, or something, yeah, and Russell then start a lawsuit yeah. and get them to <laughs> yeah settle with them. Then. Yeah, yeah. So they can they can they could buy the, the says, Twitter handle off of me. Or or you so could say stop handle. using Sorry, my the name. X handle. Well, what yeah. are you uh, long term though? Now, you see now you've led me in. Um, uh-huh. see, 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 the problem you have with me, Russell and, and Matty Weber says uh-huh. my my strength and my weakness as an interviewer is I actually listen to the answers and, and think up new questions as I go along. He said you never make it on national TV because you got your five questions. That's all you ask. You don't care what the answers are. Well, I could never do that. Uh, do you, do you, uh, yeah. uh, both Hal and and uh, Carl have, uh, uh, shall we say, talked about use the term "ragged" on various occasions. That when you have some people in society, some companies, some people, if if the Fed ever bleeps up enough to where a certain group of people can borrow money at less than the inflation rate, especially for for asset inflation rate, that you have this dramatic shift. And where all the wealth is in society, and they both come from different ends of the spectrum. And I agree with them, by the way. I, from a different other end, from different ends of the spectrum, that you, you have a, this amazing wealth shift that I think happened in the last three years. And I don't know if anybody wants to debate me on that. In other words, that's never going to happen with the quote Russell. Those, you know, no, and it won't. Now the question is, if the Fed keeps doing what they're doing, lying on the one, and keep, are these other guys? Is there even going to be a Russell of any real consequence? I mean, ten years from now, or is it? Or are the bigger guys just going to be bigger and bigger and bigger? Are we going to? Is there going to just? Is, is there going to be you know like the the wealth divide? Is there going to be yeah. uh, a divide like that in the market cap world? Yeah, I mean, because uh, well, Joel mentions it uh, mm-hmm. all the time that he, these guys are just no matter what happens, what the government tries to do ten years from now, they're just going to be bigger. They're just going to be stronger. The same thing with the healthcare companies. If you if you don't, and Lou would say it's it's a very fascist society. It's going to be three or four firms in every industry with their nose up the ass of government, and it, and that's where we're headed. And if you don't if you don't feel like investing that way, you're just an idiot. And I mean, one of a totally practical matter. I, I I really hope the hell they're wrong, but I don't know that they are. You know what I'm saying? Um, you think uh, you, you think. There were people that that said this about investing in Standard Oil in the late 1800s. Um, well, they're still pretty powerful. And then, and, you know, and then the government. Well, and they were still, but they did get broken up into a bunch of different pieces. Yeah, and then they all got bought up again. And that, yeah, and that, that just makes me wonder if if we're we we don't have we don't have enough of one party in place in the party that would want to break up a bunch of big companies. Um, if they weren't getting all their donations from the CEOs of the big companies, yeah, well, that's a problem. Um, yeah, if, if uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. If we, the the the, de- the only downside to what you're talking about is eventually government intervention. 
And I don't, I, I don't know in this day and age if, if we could have a repeat of, you know, big companies being broken up like that well, by we, the government. I, I think, you know, they threatened Microsoft maybe 20 years ago, and Bill Gates looked into moving their headquarters to Vancouver and becoming a Canadian company, and they backed off from that crap real quick. Well, are, are, you, are they going to you know, totally uh, disavow any knowledge of the antitrust laws for the next 20 years like they have the last 20? I mean, it's, I mean it, that, those are laws, and at some point... Yeah, and they're, I mean, they're, I mean, they're nobody pays being, atten- yeah, nobody pays attention, but I, I don't... My, my, my point of view on this is I remember when they broke up AT&T, when they broke up... Uh, I don't remember Standard Oil, but I've read about it. It takes mm-hmm. it takes like a decade in the courts. It's it's so much easier. Oh, yeah. It's so much easier to say no. And, and, and then you and then you drop into this mentality where foolishly you allow airline number one to take over airline number eight. All right, when they really don't need them. Now mm-hmm. now there's a lot of people in the world and and without you know and they have some logic to it. Well, now you can't say no to two two and seven. You can't say no to three and six because they got it. Once one guy did it, they got to be able to compete. And now you're down to four, and you say, "How the hell did we get here?" That's how you got here. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, the, the story. I, I, I think you know this, Russell, but the, um, did, did they have uh, Sinclair down in Memphis? Do you know the dinosaur? No, but I, yeah, but I know who they are. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sin- Sinclair was going to be taken over by Atlantic Richfield. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, and they both, Atlantic Richfield, I don't think had a, maybe they did have a, I don't think they really had a presence here in Chicago. Anyway, the story was the antitrust people said, wait a minute, that's going to be, even though, you know, in the, in the oil community, there were a lot of oil companies back then and a lot of independents, they said, no, nah, can't do that. you gotta, you got to get rid of some of the gas stations. Okay, so... Sinclair mm. divest themselves. That's the that's the proper term, right? Divest themselves of uh, I don't know how many Sinclair stations, and who did they sell them to? Was BP, right? So then, mm-hmm. uh, so BP, like a couple of years later, buys Atlantic Richfield. <laughs> it, and, and so that, they're all right. They're yeah. all they're all kind of right there, and then all of a sudden, didn't they buy Amico too? So now now they own. Sinclair, Atlantic Ridgefield, and Amico, right? Now, and you, and you drive around Chicago, and there's only like two or three different. different uh, there's a couple of independents left, but but our 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 idea of antitrust has changed over the years. Wait a minute, the people that you had to divest the ones on the first one now own both of them, and now they bought a third one, <laughs> and it, and it's all okay, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, has there has there been a big merger deal i mean they the the microsoft activision thing you know caught a little flack but has there really been have there really been any you know big debates over yes the answer the the answer is the debates are uh europe oh yeah they haven't i'm I'm thinking about the u.s and and i had that in the back of my i know europe is is the one that but who didn't they it's more likely to put put the roadblocks up than the u.s russell was it big mergers was it honeywell and ge one somebody like that in in europe said no we were we were going to be all for it that that there was there was something like that and that that you know they just would have created a larger disaster company in the long run yeah and uh It's it's probably a good thing for the world that that one not just no, not not just 
you know, people that were directly involved in it. But yeah, because GE got run into the ground so much, they would have taken Honeywell down with them. By the way, you are being the pro. Where do you stand on uh, on this? Two things that Milton Friedman said I thought were, were I thought were reasonably controversial, but um, I'd, li- I'd love your opinion. He he said when you talk about a, a company and you have a certain size, now he says if you have you know if you have one hot dog stand and then you get two and then you get three, you probably can get more efficient because at some point your human resources person can handle 100 employees the same as they can 80 or whatever. There, you you pick mm-hmm. up efficiency at some point as you go, but he was absolutely convinced that at some level you started to lose it, started going the other way if you got too big. Where do you come down on that? I mean, oh, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, that that you know, it you end up having processes in place. You can't be as streamlined when you become too big. You know, there the, yeah. and and also there are you know there you know, if if you're a massive company. Uh, that depend you know, and and you source things from a bunch of different places. You have the possibility of of mishaps as well. Be, so, it, it I, I think the 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 drop off in efficiency. It, it's just a matter of of overall size. It's not necessarily that it's hurting you too much. It's just kind of flatlining and starting to slowly trend lower, as opposed to looking like a bell curve. Well, you could maybe you can make it up and, in price so, fixing. Yeah, you can, and and there are a lot. I think there are other advantages to being really big that would offset that that perceived disadvantage. Well, so at what level? Let's pick one, and it's been a while, but like Bristol Myers Squibb, they're both mm-hmm. both pretty friggin' big companies. Now, do you think they're more? They probably can. You know, I'm not accusing them. Uh, they they probably have more pricing power together, but are they more efficient together? They have more pricing power together. They've got more. Uh, it, it's probably they've probably got an economy of scale on their um, their distribution as well. Um, you know, you don't need two drug reps. You just need one, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you know, there there are pros and cons across the board on that. But I do think that that you know, much like you've got that when you were talking about the efficiency. Of a firm, I was I was visualizing the curve that we used to show, you know how emotionally your second million dollars isn't as great as your first million dollars, etc. You know, and is there something similar with respect to the efficiencies that really large companies get? And and eventually it doesn't really you know doesn't really matter how big you are. You've just kind of reached the you know reached the pinnacle of efficiency. I th- I think you could. Uh... There's probably there's probably a way to go about quantifying that, and that that's not something I'm. I'm on a political end. I think there's mm-hmm. efficiency that you can. That's why I'm a. I and I and I know, from a, a some point of view, I I can't win the debate with you guys, uh, and ladies who uh, are big on on uh, uh, term limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everybody thinks I'm changing the subject, but I'm not. Uh, I would just think that if uh, if I'm Microsoft, if I'm that big, I mean, if I I'll go back to my trading days because I mean, when you're a trader, you know this. The minute somebody comes up with a new rule or a Pullman, they would say, "What's the workaround?" And if yep. and if and if all oh, of yeah. su- and if all of a sudden we're throwing Greg out after five terms, 
I'm just going to throw money at the two people that are now running for a spot. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to dive further down the chain. You're not going to stop me if I really want to yeah. buy all these. I, I'm going to say that there's probably the Milton Friedman didn't because he was pretty. You know, he was honest, honest to the point where he was almost blind in some areas. I mean, it, you know, you could turn around dictators with economic development and stuff. Uh, economic, economically, you'd never want to debate the guy, but when it came to you know politics, I think you could. Um, but, but he, he, you know, he would he would not even consider something like that. I would say it's a lot easier for Pfizer at their size or Bristol Myers Squibb to to put their an envelope in the, in the pocket of everybody in the country, state and federal, than it is if you're smaller. I think you have a huge advantage politically by being way too big, efficiently economically. Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. How scary you, is that? How uh, scary they're, is they're, that? They're, they're, they're competitive advantages that you never, you know, that nobody else can sur- surpass, and and that's by far definitely one of them. Is that you have you can have a guy in Washington D.C. You know, I can't. You yeah. can't. Right. Big companies can, and that you know that's going to help them. Wasn't that the big the big flap on Microsoft and the government tried to do something just like fifteen years ago, where the the critic the criti- critiques, the criti- criticizers said their biggest weakness was they didn't pay enough money in Washington, they didn't pay enough people off, so they were going to, there was some antitrust thing, and it didn't Bill Gates like up his his lobbying budget like by ten times over the next five years or something? Some yeah, people- he had been very, very apolitical for a long yeah. time. The whole company had been. And, and I don't want to say they could get away with it, but, um, you know, they... they they did. They didn't really need the government, you know. And then they started to reach a point where they were so big, and antitrust became uh, something they had to deal with. And then all of a sudden, he's got a man in Washington, yeah, or a bunch of people in Washington, or or, or a lobbying firm in Washington, or something. Or, you know, I, I, unfortunately, from what we've learned about Bill Gates, probably a, I keep saying a man in Washington, probably a woman in Washington. Oh god, oh god. Uh, Russell, on that happy note, yeah. are you here? You, know you, you get you, you misbehave, and we're gonna throw a rock at you. Yep. Sorry. Are you are you here? Or are you in Indiana? Uh, I'm I'm in the burbs. Well, maybe one day we'll like see you. Kevin thinks we need to put a movie it's out there. Early. Kevin says we need a movie out there for you, like Russell 2001, a space odyssey or something. <laughs> Just saying. Take care of yourself, buddy. SP Futures down ten. Hey, by the way, uh, what do you think the Fed quarter point? Oh, quarter point. They're done. And we we end the day slightly down because that's exactly what everybody was expecting. Okay, SP futures down eleven. Nothing, SP it's down the big old nothing burger. A nothing burger. And then we got to wait till September for more news. This I is know. this is. So we'll enjoy our August. Yes, we'll be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.